You may be seated. This morning, it is my privilege to introduce our guest preacher today, Reverend Jay Robinson, who was not scheduled to be here. In fact, today, Emma Palmer, our director of communications and youth ministries, was supposed to speak as we continued our sermon series on heroes of the faith. Emma was going to talk about the next generation, youthfulness and vigor, and then she got COVID. And this is the story with so many things. She is doing well, but we are thankful that Jay was able to step in. For those of you who don't know Jay, Jay is the the campus minister at the Wesley Foundation at Jacksonville State University. Who better to talk about the next generation than someone who is currently working with the next generation? Jay has certainly been an inspiration and a role model for myself, so those things that you find off-putting about me is probably his fault. Um, no, I'm saying it's not my fault. I'm saying, I'm saying that. It's not my fault. No, but seriously, Jay has inspired and mentored many, many young people who have made their way through the Christian faith and into Christian ministry. I will tell you, at least three of our staff members here have been directly influenced by Jay and his spiritual guidance. Uh, that would be me, uh, Jason Wright, our praise and worship leader, and our director of worship arts, Matt Headley, as well as several others who now find themselves at home in this congregation. So I'm thankful to Jay and his ministry at the Wesley Foundation, and I would like for you to give him a welcome this morning. Gee, with an intro like that, um, I could call from the bullpen more frequently. Take care of yourself, please. Uh, I've been called out of the, in the deep inning relief pitching here three weeks in a row because pastors have come down with COVID. So um, we all still um, have to take great care. Is it okay if I read the text this morning from my, uh, my digital device? If I do this, uh, I have access to all sorts of um, translations of the text, and I'd like to read to you this morning from a newer uh, scholarly translation of the New Testament, the contemporary English version. And I'll be reading from the epistle to Timothy, a couple of verses from the first chapter, the greeting, and then uh, verses uh, 10 through 16 of the fourth chapter of the epistle. To Timothy, my true child in the faith, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Christ Jesus our Lord. When I left Macedonia, I asked you to stay in Ephesus so that you could instruct certain individuals not to spread wrong learning. We work and we struggle for this. But our hope is set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. Command these things. Teach them. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. Instead, set an example for the believers through your speech, behavior, love, faith, and by being sexually pure. Until I arrive, pay attention to public reading, preaching, and teaching. Don't neglect the spiritual gift in you that was given through prophecy when the elders laid hands on you. Practice these things and live by them, 
so that your progress will be visible by all. Focus on working on your own development and on what you teach. If you do this, you will save yourself and those who hear you. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Some years ago, I brought a whole group of students to paint a habitat house all in one morning. I don't know why we think we can pull this off, but it was a large group of students, and uh, we were going to do the entire interior, you know, in one morning, in one blitz. So we tried to organize uh, with a lot of supplies in each room. We were all organized and ready to go, and I assume no prior knowledge. I assume people don't know how to paint. Not that I'm talking, talking down to anybody, but this is important business. We don't want to just throw paint all over the place, and I don't want to come behind you trying to correct uh, poor painting. I'd rather do it myself than correct your poor painting. So we do a quick lesson on how to paint. And when it comes to painting the walls, I kind of just have my own little standard thing. Think in squares, I say. Little squares. Start in the upper left-hand corner and just do little squares. You get to the bottom right-hand corner and you're finished with the wall. Move on. So I do my spiel, and we teach the students, and I'm moving from room to room to room. I'm doing trim, because I do that really fast, and so I'm doing some trim, and I'm moving from room to room to room in the house just to check in on people, and I make my rounds back to where I began in my first room, and on the biggest wall in the room, a student is painting what is essentially an asterisk in the middle of the wall, just the roller going every direction you can imagine. And I stand there. This was not Kyle, by the way. It was not Kyle. It was not Jason. It was, no, it was, not, it was not them. It was from their era, but it was not them. And um, in, my, in, my, in, my, in my calmest, most pastoral voice, I ask, what part of square did we not understand? And the student looked at his impressionist painting, and he looked at me, and he said, this is how I've always done it. So if you hear that the Wesley director lost his mind one day and just ran off, that's why. Um, I want you to know uh, this is a mindset, and it really doesn't have anything to do with our age. It so happened he was 18. But this is a mindset that we've decided in our own minds what it is that we think is normal and what we're accustomed to. And we don't like to be told to do things differently. But we don't like change. We resist change. We work against and fight. We, we like what we like and we like what we've defined as normal. And we don't really want to be bothered with having to do things differently. That is a mindset. Now, young people like to think that old people are set in their ways. You've probably heard that, and maybe you've thought that. But in my experience, this is not true at all. This is a part of the human condition. This affects all of us. <laughs> people are set in their ways. People have a very difficult time accepting new information, especially when it conflicts with what we already assumed was true, that which we've already thought which was normal or that we're accustomed to. This is how it's always been done. This is how I've always done it. This is what I've always thought. And human beings, we, in our brains, we are very resistant 
of information that would conflict with that which we have come to know as ours. This is mine. This is how I've always thought. This is how I've always done it. Young people, middle-aged people, older people, this is not an age phenomenon. This is a person, a human phenomenon. So I was once a teenage uh, pastor. Um, like Kyle, I started about as early. Were you a teenage pastor? I've been telling the bishop, stop doing this for a long time. I don't know why anybody ever thought this was a good idea to put 19-year-olds in charge of congregations. Um, we, we do that because we, we think this is a way to, to let the young people gain experience. I don't know. but um, I was a teenage pastor, and now I am a significantly um, not as young as I was uh, pastor. So I do have a bit of lived experience here, about 35 years or so of it. Uh, and I've worn a lot of different hats, and I've done a lot of different things, um, and I work with people at every step of the way. And what I can say, um, having kind of walked my own journey, that um, it is different today, having some experience and being less young as I was, uh, it is not easier. It is not easier at all. This is actually quite difficult. It was difficult when I was a teen <laughs> pastor, and it's difficult today. And every year, every fall especially, I get calls from, um, from churches, some hours drive away from Jacksonville, asking, do I have a young person that I could send them um, in youth work or children's work uh, to be an intern of some sort. Um, and I, I wish I had enough students to do, but I understand how difficult this work is, and I'd also try to protect young people. Um, if you're asking for an 18 or 19 or 20-year-old to come work in your church, um, I want to know what kind of support is that person going to have. I'm not just going to recommend one of my students. If you're just going to throw them out there to sink or swim, what are you, what are you going to be asking them to do? What will their skills need to be? They don't have any experience. You understand that, right? How are you going to help? Because the reality is that if a young person takes steps into ministry, we know the, the most likely outcome. They will leave that role within a year or two. This is the most likely outcome that's going to come. Kyle and I are just too stubborn to have quit. We are, we're like survivors here, you know. This is, this is the outcome that young people, when they think of ministry... And the excitement and the enthusiasm and the exuberance that can often come with that. Believe me, we're not just all sitting around talking about how awesome Jesus is all day long. There's a lot of difficult things to deal with. And by the way, remember how I said that people are resistant to change? We're resistant to hear? So this is a very difficult thing. And the most likely outcome when a young person steps into a role of leadership in the life of the church is that they have a bad experience at that. They have a very difficult time with that. 
And so uh, on your theme today is young people in leadership. And I realize I'm, I'm, I'm a replacement here for the message. I have no idea what, what the message was going to be. But I just want to point out to you that the Timothy reading today, our text today, which we lift up, really isn't about Timothy's age. That's really just a one-liner that the epistle author, Paul, says. The problem is not that Timothy is young. The issue is not that Timothy, Timothy is young. The issue is that Timothy is a leader and he is being instructed to correct people. And people don't like that. And the epistle is written to encourage him, don't give up, don't stop. People aren't going to like it but they have to be instructed. So the epistle is a, is, a, is a word of encouragement to a person who is young. That just makes it harder. It's not going to be easier if he was older, but because he is younger, that is obviously going to be a concern. Don't let that, don't let that delay you or in any way weaken your witness, is what the epistle is saying, because you are young. Don't let anybody dismiss you because you are young. But the issue is not that he is young. The issue is, is that people need to change. This is a young church at Ephesus. Paul has visited before. He's going to visit again. And Paul is quite concerned about what's going on at this church. And people need teaching. And they need correcting. And he's left Timothy to do the correcting. And this is the hard part of leadership, of any kind of leadership. This is the hard part, to help people to see things they didn't see before, to help people to know what is to do this or that, and to lead people is, a, is a, inviting people into another possibility, into other visions, into other ways of thinking and being and living and sharing together. And this is a difficult work for all of us, all of us, any of you, that are in leadership, we're constantly having to cast vision to bring the people together so that we can move forward together. And that vision is very often in language of change. We, we need correcting, and we need to move forward differently. I was as amazed as I hope as you were by the images from our most recent space telescope that came out this last summer, uh, the Webb Telescope parked about a million miles from Earth, and and the the deep field view, um, the first image that came back of of light that we've never seen before, uh, from the distant distant primordial past, the light almost of creation itself. It's like a time machine. How far back the telescope looks. When the Hubble telescope was first uh, put up into orbit, it had a vision problem. Uh, there was a chromatic aberration so that it wasn't able to focus uh, as it had been designed. And this was quite embarrassing for NASA. Uh, this was uh, an expensive, expensive instrument of science. But you may remember that NASA cooked up a rescue mission for the Hubble telescope. And with the space shuttle, astronauts did a very delicate procedure uh, to correct 
the flaw in the telescope. That procedure, I was recently told by an eye surgeon, that procedure that NASA did to correct the vision of the, tel of the Hubble telescope is the technology that is used today in LASIK surgeries and in other surgeries that helps our own vision. It's absolutely amazing. And so the Hubble, scope, the Hubble telescope was repaired and it could see the way that it was designed to see. And its first mission was to look at nothing. Uh, literally nothing. And this was quite controversial in NASA circles. Because the Hubble had had some really bad press. And now it had this good press. And so maybe we need to give the people pretty pictures of like Jupiter or something. But the director was insistent that the Hubble telescope is an instrument of science. We're going to do some hard science here. And so the, the telescope's first task was to spend 100 hours of telescope time, which is a lot, looking at nothing. A really unremarkable part of deep space, not far from the Big Dipper in our sky. A region of space about the diameter of a grain of sand, if you were to hold it at arm's length and look up into the night sky. And then that little bitty, little bitty slice of the sky. The images that came back, that stitched together, took a long time to compile this work, revealed 300 unknown galaxies. Things we didn't even know were there. Some of those galaxies far back almost to the beginning, almost to the cradle of, of the beginning of time itself. And so in that tradition of what became known as the Hubble Deep Field, the Hubble Deep um, uh, Wide Field, the Deep Field, uh, the Webb Telescope, uh, that's the first image that came this summer. And I hope you've had a chance to, to ponder and to think about what you've invited what you've been invited, what we've all been invited to see. We've been invited to see that which only God has seen as far as we know. We've been invited to see light primordially ancient. What is true in astronomy is true in the spiritual life. What is true in the work of science is true in the work of God in the church. Leaders lead to help us to see what we didn't already see. The work of God is to open us up, to correct our vision, so that we can see what we didn't even know was there. The spiritual life is essentially a life of exploration and of discovery, both inner, deep inner discovery as well as outer discovery of our place in the world and that which is far beyond and far greater than us and how we might fit into that. And this takes a particular kind of vision to be able to see what we didn't see before and what we didn't even know was there. And this is the role of spiritual leaders. And this is the role of those who are called to lead in the church to help us to move in ways we didn't know we could move. To help us to do what we didn't even think was possible. We didn't even know to imagine it. We didn't even know it was there. And this is what God is doing among us. God is raising up leaders of all ages, young and old alike, to help the church to see what we didn't see, to correct our vision. This is the word of the prophet Joel, which is quoted in the book of Acts. That in those days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. 
your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old shall dream dreams. That what God is opening us up for us, we are all invited to share in it. We are all invited to come and to see what God has for us. To see what we didn't even know was there. I pray that God correct my vision. I pray that God correct the vision of the church to help us to see in ways that God would wish us to see so that we can move as people of faith into what we didn't know or understand. God bless you in your spiritual journey. Amen.